Hey everybody, welcome back to Shop Talk. Uh, once again, it's been quite a while. I could probably say that every single episode because I don't do these all that often, really. Um, I had another episode that I, I actually recorded and I just haven't released it yet. And it kind of goes into discussing uh, this leak with the Supreme Court and talking about experts. And so... I'm not going to get into that on this episode because I will at some point release that episode, but I actually want to do an episode today on a question that I was asked. And I was asked it by my sister, and for those of you that do know me, my sister is probably, not probably, she's the smart one of the family, uh, especially when it came to school. She was a hard worker in school and and probably knows me at least my past at a minimum better than than anybody and she she asked me a question because I started talking with her and her husband about some of the stuff I I had been learning um, about uh, about God about uh, Genesis and and some of the stories and stuff in in Genesis and she wanted to know she she asked me how I reconcile that with uh, my, I guess, love of science, um, in particular, because when I was growing up, I was very, I wanted to be a forensic scientist. I think I might've discussed that in another episode, but anyways, I, I, so I was very big into science. I love, I enjoyed learning about science. That was one of my better subjects that I actually enjoyed. Um, and she knows that about me. And so I, I do want to clarify she is a believer so but she was just curious on on my standpoint how I was able to reconcile some of the things I was talking about in Genesis and, and how I was able to to make the two work uh, you know God and science and uh, I mean the 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 reality is is, a big belief is that, well, um, science and God don't jive. You know, the, the, a lot of the thought, especially in the secular world, is the more we learn through science, the less we need God. You know, that God is more of a fills in the gaps uh, when when we can't understand something quite yet in science. And the more we learn, the fewer gaps there are and the bigger reality that maybe there's less need of God. And, and the, the truth is, is that, that none of that's true. Uh, when we learn more in science, it actually tends to back up God. Uh, and so it, uh, more and more science is pointing to God and secular scientists try their best to explain it away, but there's there's more than just secular scientists, and I didn't really realize this. There's creation scientists, so there's uh, scientists who who firmly believe in the creation story rather than the evolution story, and so that's kind of the big two things. And so she was just curious how I went from, you know, being such a, a student of science and enjoying science and, and trusting all of science and all that we've learned in science classes and school and all of this how I was able to 
come away with a stronger faith. And the it's been a journey because I think I think a lot of us as Christians we're able to expect or we're able to believe a lot of the things in say the New Testament. So we like to believe that uh, Jesus turned water into wine. Now, could we do that? Maybe theoretically and scientifically we might be able to do that, but he did it 2,000 years ago. And he didn't use science, he just did it. Uh, you know, we, we can't replicate his feeding the 5,000 with science. Uh, not, with, not with the elements that he had. Uh, we, we might, we, we believe, but yet we believe it. We believe that he walked on water. Uh, can we do that today? If you had the right equipment and using science, we might be able to do that. He didn't need any of that. He just did it, and we believe it. And so science doesn't, the science that we know doesn't jive with a lot of the things that Jesus did, but we, we accept it. You know, it, there's uh, the, the raising of the dead that he did with Lazarus and, and that little girl. Uh, and then, of course, the big one, when he died on the cross and then walked out of the tomb three days later. Yeah, we believe that he did that. That's If we didn't believe that particular one, that's that's the main one. All these other little miracles are they're wondrous signs and miraculous signs that, that pointed to who he was. But ultimately, the salvation issue is believing who he, he is, who he said he was, and believing that he was raised from the dead. You know, if we don't believe that he pulled off that miracle, there's really nothing left for us to believe. It doesn't matter what else he did. If he didn't pull off that miracle like we believe he did, then the rest of Christianity is is useless. So, but we're able to accept so many of those miracles, and yet the the story of creation itself, a lot of times we we tend to have troubles with. And when you think about it, so the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. The only difference is, is God sent his son to die for us, to pay that debt so that we have salvation now. So when you start looking at the God of the Old Testament and science and secular world who doesn't want to believe in, in this God, the God that we know to be true, well, you start eroding at the foundations. And one of the very first things that we learn is that God created the world in six days. And there's been some debate on whether those those days were a literal six days. And I've seen a lot of evidence that, that points to it, it took literally six days. Not the fact that, because in the, in the New Testament it talks about how, I think it's the New Testament. Anyways, wherever it talks about in the Bible that... Uh, you know, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. He exists outside of time. And so there's been some discussion as to whether he did it in six days or not. And some of that is used, honestly, to try to soften the blow of our faith. That, that thinking we've been taught and force-fed over and over and over that the earth is millions, billions of years old. You know, dinosaurs existed millions of years ago. The universe is billions and billions of years old uh, and you know that this is this is what they and so sometimes as Christians maybe 
struggling with that faith, we we say, well, you know, the, the thousand thousand years is like a day, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So so you know, it's possible that to him it was six days, to us it was could have been millions of years. Well, I I wouldn't go that way, you know. I used to go that way, but the more that I've dug into it, the more I don't think that it was. I think he literally meant six days. He did it in six days. The, the earth is probably closer to 6,000 years old, like the Bible says. And it sounds radical. It sounds It's really hard to wrap your mind around. Uh, but there's so many things that, that really the creation scientists explain a lot better than secular scientists. And so her question just really sparked to me why why do i believe why is it how do i reconcile that and i just go back into uh one reading the bible but two i I watched a series called unlocking the mysteries of genesis and that answered some questions that i've never been able to to deal with i've never been able to understand and so you could say i've as a christian i've always been a christian but you could say maybe i was a lukewarm christian because i didn't necessarily live the life i didn't necessarily accept everything that was in the bible as as hardcore fact and truth absolute truth and you know so i've done i've had to grow a lot in my faith but when you look at when you're when you're speaking about faith look accepting science and and the thought of evolution takes just as much if not more faith than believing in creation you know i've seen where uh scientists will will look through dna and as they're examining the dna they have to tell themselves we must remember that this evolved this way and was not designed because it looks so designed it appears designed but we have to remember that it evolved into this okay so you're you're denying your own eyes it's so complicated and you know, even when you're talking the very basis of DNA, well, how does that exist without certain other, you know, it kind of gets into an even more fundamental question of what came first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, it it, it really, I won't get into all the nitty-gritty details, but so it, it truly, when you start looking at that, it becomes harder to to just wipe it away and say no it doesn't it didn't it evolved into this how explain how it possibly could have evolved into something that looks absolutely designed and even more so as they've continued the study of the of the human dna we can actually see evidence of different viruses and different things that we've survived in our past things that actually had effects on the dna and the genome and all that so for instance what what they were pointing out in the podcast that i listened to uh means you have all these evidences of different viruses so we'll just say it means that we've all dealt with covid recently so covid is probably going to leave somewhat of a genetic marker when you actually study our dna in the future our future generations will have some mark of this uh, COVID. And so 
it's all part of how God designed us so that we can fight off things in the future. We have some memory of it, and that's it's really just a wonderful, brilliant design. So what they were pointing out is the further you get from the source, or from the originals, of course you're going to have more of these genetic markers, more of this. Your DNA is not going to be, if you want to call it that, as pure. And so when you look in the stories in the Bible, and Adam, Methuselah, and and uh, Noah, they lived to be 900 years. Well, that seems absolutely ridiculous when you talk about, you know, our the way people live today. It's a it's a Guinness Book of World Records when you start getting up into the 120s. But as you go through the Bible, it continually that that age continually goes down. Well, that would that would correlate with experiencing different things, different viruses and, and sicknesses and stuff that would be into your DNA. Your DNA is not as pure, and so you slowly go down. And in Psalms, it talks about that you know our life is 70 years. I don't know the exact wording, but uh, it, which correlates with what we currently have as 72 years is the average lifespan. And so it, it just goes to show that it's maybe not so out there that Adam lived that long. He was the first human, so to speak. I, I've got into some of that details and stuff, other, but he was, of the at a minimum, the first generation of humans. And so it's likely that he could possibly be an outlier, out, outlier, but he could also truly have lived 900 years, and that was just how it was. Now, we only have the three that are recorded to have, as far as I know, lived at, at for 900 years, and I could be wrong on that, but irregardless, as crazy as that seems, science actually tends to, at least at a minimum, somewhat support that that not specifically, it doesn't prove it, but we have seen that it potentially could have had an effect. All these uh, viruses and sicknesses and all this over the over the years. So that's one thing that science has shown. Uh, you know, even as rec- recently as Mount St. Helens, which, granted, was before my time, but not very far before my time. And when it went off, it answered some questions that scientists, both secular and creation scientists, couldn't answer prior to witnessing what that did. And so, like, for instance, that that uh, volcanic eruption ended up carving a canyon that was 140th the size of the Grand Canyon, and it did it in a matter of hours. So we've always believed that the Grand Canyon by what is it the Colorado River or whatever's down at the bottom of that over a millennia or longer millions of years have cut out the canyon well what what Mount St. Helens showed is very drastic large geologic events can happen very quickly and what is one of the largest events that we can think of recorded in the Bible Noah's flood. So, so it, Noah's flood answers actually a lot of questions when it comes to how our earth is the way that it is today. For instance, before the flood, it, it was Pangea. We all know about Pangea. We all 
and believe that that was a real thing and there's evidence that's showing it but we've all believed that it took millions and millions and millions of years for that to get to where we are today we talk about the plates moving inches in a year well when the floods when when god unleashed the flood and he started to release from the depths and we had a lot of tectonic plate movement and more than likely it probably the plates started moving at five miles an hour or more which you can imagine would be absolutely devastating uh, the flood answers why we find so many fossils, right? The You don't just become a fossil. You don't just die and slowly get buried and become all these fossils that are... They're not just the fact that you find a pile of bones and spread out. And while that does happen, a lot of them are basically complete fossils. And you see them all over the place. Whereas, you, you know... We, We've seen the in the death poses, I think they call it. So how did that happen? How did predators or scavengers not tear apart those animals? And Well, to become fossilized, you really need to be buried uh, almost immediately. You know, at, at, as you're dying or shortly after your death. Well, the flood would have caused sediment and all kinds of stuff going all over the place, and it would have buried these these dinosaurs very quickly so that's another answer uh, the flood can be is, is the most likely culprit of the ice age because as you had all of this heat from the, the plates moving all the volcanic eruptions going on and all of this going on you had a lot of extra precipitation of course we know about the 40 days of and 40 nights of rain and a lot of us anticipate that that's where all the water came from, but that's not. It's actually mostly the deep springs, and, and as you moved uh, the plates and all this, it came from the depths. And so um, that's that's another aspect of this. And, and they, they were able to show there was a large volcano that went off. I can't remember exactly where. Uh, several years ago, I don't know how, probably decades ago at this point, but it uh, it ended up that one volcano threw enough ash and everything else to cool the entire planet by one or two degrees for one or two years. Now imagine all of the volcanoes going off because when you have the kind of tectonic plate movement that you had during the flood, you can imagine that every single volcano is probably going off. And so imagine how much that would cool the atmosphere so you've got the the cool regions of the north and south poles extending north and south quite a ways but there is probably still a temperate zone in the middle around the earth you know the the equator and uh that that we were able to still live and you know scientists can't secular scientists cannot explain the ice age they don't know what caused it they can't tell how many there's been they have no idea they think maybe it's just a cycle of heating and cooling but they have no proof they have nothing it would take a drastic amount of precipitation to cause such an ice age to keep it keep the earth covered and cooled and so they, they just can't explain it because it doesn't matter if our orbit gets out of whack just a little bit or whatever, you would still end it within a year, it would you get closer to the sun, so it would melt. So they just they can't they can't explain 
the Ice Age, but creation scientists can, like I said, with the flood. Again, with Mount St. Helen, when it was flow, the lava flows and everything that were going and took out a bunch of trees, uh, as it was rolling the trees and everything, they would get waterlogged and pretty soon they would stand straight up and go down. And they would drop a whole bunch of trees in, in an area and it looked like there had been a forest there. What does that sound like? The petrified forest that they have never been able to understand how that worked, how what happened, what well, it's likely from again the flood, everything cutting through. So there's just more and more things that it just tends to make more sense from the creation side than it does from the evolution side. The other thing is, you know, when they when they mapped our DNA to and they've told us how we're 99% the same as a chimpanzee or you've seen the ones really talk about we're 99% genetically the same as a banana or have the of the DNA. None of that's true actually. And it was kind of mind-boggling, but no, it's it's not true. What they're saying is in a certain section of code you have 99% the same. Well, what's that code respect responsible for when it comes to you know what what it actually does? Well, in in the instance of comparing us to chimps, you're talking about uh, the what requires you to metabolize food for energy, what requires you to breathe. Like that's what this code is in in charge of. So yeah, like every living creature probably has the same amount of code that we're all the same there. It's where you go from there that it all branches off very drastically different. And so we haven't been fed the whole truth. Yes, in one part of it, we're the same. Almost identical. And a lot of the rest of it, it we're nowhere near the same. And so, you know, the, the secular scientists a lot of times try to hide some of this stuff by saying partial truths. Because they don't want to admit that well, creation kind of has it right. They can't seem to find any of the quote-unquote missing links. There's not one that's been found. Every time they think they find one, it turns out it wasn't true. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of questions that that series answered for me. I never knew, and maybe some of you did, because I, I'm not the most well-versed in the Bible. But I'm learning, and I'm getting better. But... Uh, I never knew that Job mentioned what certainly sounds to me like dinosaurs. Talking about the behemoth, it's Job 40, uh, late in the verse, late in that chapter, it starts describing the behemoth, talking about how large it is, how it eats grass just like the ox, its tail sways like like a cedar. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of dinosaurs that ate grass that were awfully large. Uh, to me, it sounds a lot like a bronchiosaurus, but and they call it the behemoth. And uh, in verse verse forty one, it goes into talking about the leviathan, that again sounds an awful lot like a dinosaur, uh, possibly even a dragon. As crazy as that sounds, but um, there's just so many things in the Bible that are over and over getting maybe not proved, but certainly more backed up by science and uh i just when my my sister asked me that i could go on and on i I was learning so many new things 
that are just strengthening my faith in the Bible and trusting in the Bible. And, and ultimately that means I'm trusting in God more, which is what he, he wants us to rely on him and, and to trust in him. And I, and I do more now than I probably ever have. And a lot of that was just by answering those questions that have always made me wonder in Genesis. Genesis is a hard chapter, you know, a hard book to, you know, as as my sister said, reconcile with science. At least you think until you actually dig below the surface, and then you start to see, you know, really how how much actually agrees uh, with with the Bible. It's truly amazing. So hopefully that answers some of the questions that maybe you have in looking at Genesis. And I would encourage you to dig into it and learn more uh, as I will continue to do. So once again, I want to thank you for listening. And uh, as always, be kind to one another.